You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. Lord, we thank you. Uh, we come and we receive the joy that you have for us this morning. Yeah. Yeah. Just lift out your hands and receive the gift of his joy in your life. Thank you, Jesus. More. More of your joy. Yeah. The joy of knowing that you love us with an unending love. Yeah. There is no end to your love. The joy that you have chosen us as your children to be sons and daughters of the Most High God. You chose us before we chose you. Lord, we ask for the grace to continue to choose you in the most powerful ways that bring about the transformation of your true kingdom into our lives, Lord. We rest in your sufficiency. Yes, yes, we desire, we reach, we take hold of your sufficiency. The blood of Jesus is sufficient to cover everything. And we embrace that now. We embrace the holy blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we say, come, wash us, empower us, and launch us into this realm. Yes, to be your ambassadors. Yes. Lord, you are good. Yes. Lord, we thank you that you have chosen to inhabit us. Yes, you've created us. Yes, to inhabit your, to be inhabited by your presence, Lord. And so, Lord, no longer visitations, now inhabitations. Come and fill us, Lord God, with your holy presence. Transform us into your likeness image. Lord, we say yes to your great victory. We take hold of the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross on our behalf. Thank you, Jesus, for that great gift. And we now live as sons and daughters of the Most High God. Yes, created to be filled by your presence. But we receive, we take hold. Yes, our hearts cry out for you. Fill us, fill us with you. Fill, fill, fill. Holy Spirit, fill, fill, fill us with you. Yes, overflow. May our lives reveal your life in us. May there be the overflow out of us that touches the lives of people around us. Lord, bring your glory. Reveal your glory through our lives. Yes. Lord, we come with thanksgiving. It is such a privilege to be called your children. What a privilege you have chosen us. Yes, you've set us free and you've empowered us to reveal your kingdom in this realm. Lord, we rest in your sufficiency and we say yes and amen to your plans and purposes in our lives, Lord. Lord, we know that there are things yet that need to be done in each one of us. 
And yet, Lord, you are the one who will do it. You are the one who, you're the only one who can do that. And so we say yes to your work within us. Lord, grace us with the ability to cooperate with your work in us for your glory, Lord. Yes, yes. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me tell you a story about two men, both of them riding on an airplane. The first man, the flight attendant, walks up, gives him a parachute and says, this is your parachute. It is for flight enhancement. It will make your flight better. So the man puts on the parachute. It's heavy. It's cumbersome. It causes him to sweat. It's uncomfortable. He starts to look around and he realizes that most of the other passengers aren't wearing parachutes. Why does he have one on? And about then, turbulence hits the plane. And he comes to this realization that this parachute is not making his flight any better. And so he quickly takes off the parachute, never to put it on again. But the second man, the second man, the flight attendant approaches, and she says to him, this is your parachute. At some point during this flight, you're going to have to jump out of this plane at 25,000 feet. You don't know when, but it's going to happen. The man quickly puts on the parachute. He understands its purpose. Oh, it's heavy on his shoulders. It's cumbersome. It's uncomfortable. It causes him to sweat. He looks around and realizes that most of the passengers are not wearing a parachute. And this concerns him. He thinks they probably need one. But nothing you can say would get him to take off that parachute. Why? Because he understands its purpose. He understands that it is his only hope if he's going to make it. This story draws us to a better understanding of salvation. I mean, if I were to ask you today, what is the primary purpose of salvation, what would you tell me? Some people say that it is life enhancement, to make life better. The purpose of salvation is to save your soul from the wrath of God. Oh, don't misunderstand me. Abundant life, eternal life, peace, joy, all of these things that come with knowing Christ are a byproduct of salvation. But its primary purpose is to save you. See, we have to understand that God demands righteousness. That's how someone finds eternal life, is by being righteous. And it is salvation through Jesus Christ that brings about your righteousness. If we understand that, then we understand the purpose of salvation better. See, when we have this idea that salvation is about life enhancement, then when we experience turbulence in life, we backslide, we fall. Jesus likened it to a seed that fell on hard ground. It couldn't grow any roots. And so when troubles came, it, it died away. And when we realize that salvation is about our righteousness, it causes us to want to live a righteous life and therefore, we turn away from the pleasures of this world that the Bible says will only last for a season. The airplane, that ride, that's life. And the jump, that is our jump from this world to the afterlife. And the parachute is our salvation. Without it, you have no hope. And listen, it's something you have to deal with because the truth is, one day, before we realize it, we're all going to have to make the jump.
things that was so, um, it is a simple truth, and yet it was a truth that eluded me for a long, long time, was that I just kind of thought of salvation as a one-time act. You know, that there came a day where you made Jesus Christ Lord of your life and you got saved that day. You know, Jesus was your savior that day in that moment. Um, and then he became other things. And what I really discovered uh, recently, uh, a couple of years ago, was that um, Jesus didn't just save me one time. I need saving all the time, every day, every moment. We need to be saved. We need to be uh, saved from just everything um, that, that can happen, everything that, you know, can go wrong in our lives, every decision. I mean, there's just, there's so many facets and so many areas of life where we really need to experience uh, salvation. And so we really have come to understand that it's not just a one-time act, but it is, it is an everyday, ongoing um, act that Jesus has come uh, to save us. A couple of weeks ago, we kind of really started talking about this whole idea that there is an invisible, an unseen world that affects us. And we were kind of talking and we opened by talking about, you know, just disease and germs, that there was a time where they didn't have the ability uh, that we do uh, today to be able to see and to understand germs and disease and all the kinds of things that um, are there that we don't see. And yet how those unseen, invisible germs, disease, it kind of impacts us. It has an effect um, on our lives. And we also then talked about that unseen, invisible world um, in the spiritual realm. Uh, things that are there, things that are uh, entities, beings um, that are moving, that are acting, that are doing things um, undetected. They're there, affecting us, not just physically, but it affects us relationally. It affects our worldview. It affects our mindset. It, it affects the way we react. It affects the way uh, that we speak. And if you believe in God and you believe in heaven and you believe in eternity, you're halfway there already because you already believe in an unseen world. You believe that there is a God and angelic beings who impact, who influence uh, your world, uh, your unseen world. We also uh, acknowledge that uh, there is an invisible, there's an unseen uh, demonic realm made up of demons and the devil. And far often, you know, we really don't understand or we misuse or we miss or we minimize or we ignore that unseen world. But again, there is an unseen world, just like with germs and disease that impacts us. There's also an unseen world, an invisible realm uh, made up of, of beings, of God, of the devil, um, principalities, powers um, that, that affect us um, in many ways. We talked about that um, you don't need a microscope to see um, that invisible world. That oftentimes we can just use past experiences. We can look at past decisions. We can look at uh, past seasons, chapters, moments, decisions, maybe a one night, uh, a weekend, uh, you know, a, a, a season of life. We just look back on that and we see the impact that unseen world had 
in the things that we did, the choices we made, the decisions uh, that we made. And, and we sometimes step back from that and, and we wonder, how could I have been so blind? How could I have been so deceived? How could I have been so confused? Why did I not see that decision, that moment, that purchase, that relationship? Why, why could I not see in that moment that that was not the way to go. That was not the thing to do. That was not the person to, to, to date. That was not the, uh, you know, the, the, the purchase to buy the house, the car. I, I mean, there are th there's those moments where we just kind of look back and we ask ourselves, how could I have been so deceived? How could I have been so wrong? How could I have been so confused? And it's in those moments that we kind of really begin to understand and we begin to see there is an invisible world that impacted, that influenced that decision, that moment um, that I made. And, and again, some of us, we don't even need a rear view mirror. We just need a mirror because we're in that moment right now. And thankfully... The Bible kind of helps us to understand a little bit about why those things happen. And the Bible teaches that beyond your personality, beyond the way you were raised, beyond uh, your self-awareness or the lack thereof, all the things that we kind of tend to want to blame our mistakes, our failures on, beyond all of that, we really come to understand there is an invisible, unseen world, and it is impacting and it's influencing our seen and our visible world. And the twist I want to talk about this morning, the potential for deception from the enemy comes in these moments where we have struggle pain, suffering, maybe persecution. We have struggles. And the irony, when it comes to pain, struggles, difficulties, is it can often be the shortest route to God, right? I mean, your world kind of just collapses. The walls kind of cave in. It may have been a phone call, a, a doctor visit. It may be a pink slip. It may just, you know, be a knock on your door one night, uh, very late in the night. And, and suddenly, life is kind of just turned upside down. And, and you just find yourself in this very, very chaotic place. And it's through that pain, that difficulty, that struggle, uh, that persecution that we really just want to connect with God. It's in those moments where, where we want to just begin to, to, to know that God is there, that, that God sees what's happening, that he's not just off in some distant room reading a magazine, totally oblivious to what's going on and what's happening in our lives. We're looking to God to say, hey, help me make sense of this. Why this? Why now? Where are you? What's happening? What is your plan? And no matter what's happening to us or what we believe at the time, in the midst of our pain, of our difficulty, our struggles, there just comes that time where we want to just look up to God and, and we want to ask those questions that every one of us will ask in different ways. We essentially want to know why. Why me? Why now? Why this? 
Why would you allow this to happen? How am I supposed to get through this? What am I supposed to do with this, God? And the reason we ask those questions is because it's in me and it's in you. We want to make sense of this. I mean, if this is going to happen to me, I want to at least understand why. It may not make it any easier. may not answer all the questions. But if I can just understand the suffering, the struggle, the difficulty, the pain that's happening in my life, it might make it a little more bearable. If somehow we could just make sense of the pain, the struggles, the difficulties in our lives, then it would perhaps be more bearable. So we want God to help us kind of just begin to connect these dots of what's happening and going on in our lives to help us again to find the purpose in this, to make this redemptive, to make me understand why am I going through this and and is this going to go and are you going to lead this somewhere good? And it's in our pain, our suffering, our difficulties that we're crying out to God for context. If this makes sense, if there's a greater purpose behind this, if it will lead somewhere good, I may not feel better, but I think at least I can endure it and get through it. And the problem comes, and this is, again, where the twist, where the deception comes in, is if that if it, nothing is immediately apparent, as you're trying to connect with God and you kind of just sense that God is absent or, or God is quiet, in the midst of our pain and our suffering, what we oftentimes make the mistake of doing is we take our eyes off of God and we begin to put them on the things that are going on around us. And when we do that, in the midst of those trials, those tribulations, those sufferings, those pains, those difficulties, as we're trying to make sense of it, as we're trying to connect with God, we kind of begin, if we don't get an immediate response, we kind of just drop our view onto the things that are going on around us, and we try to begin to connect those dots to make sense of what is happening. And again, when we do that, we'll start asking those questions. Is God punishing me? Is this happening to me because of what I did last week, last night? Is this happening because I'm not as good of a parent or a spouse as I need to be? And again, we start looking for connections, for answers, for solutions in the context of what is happening to us. We, again, we want a cause and effect relationship when it comes to our pain and our understanding so we can understand it, so we can reverse it, so that we can avoid it in the future. I want an explanation. I want to understand, God, why what's happening is happening. There's got to be a context. And again, that's completely natural. We all do that. We see that in the story of Lazarus, if you're familiar with that story. His two sisters, Mary and Martha, they sent word to Jesus, telling Jesus that that this man you love, this friend of yours that you love, he, he is sick, he is deathly ill, and we need you to come immediately. And the Bible makes very, very clear that Jesus deliberately 
on purpose, waited until Lazarus died. And then he goes. And if you're familiar with the story, they run out and they basically ask Jesus, why didn't you come sooner? Jesus, if you would have been here, if you'd have gotten here sooner, he wouldn't have died. In other words, what they're doing is they're trying to connect the dots. And they're asking Jesus to connect the dots for them. If you'll just explain this, if you'll just tell us why. Even though Lazarus may still be dead, and even though it may not make the pain of his death go away, it may not, you know, make us feel better, it may give us some purpose, some context to his death. If you'll just answer some of our why questions, Jesus, hopefully it will help us to get through this more easily. And again, that same drive is in all of us. The problem is, again, when you suddenly find yourself looking in God's direction because of unexplained or unexpected pain and suffering. And again, if you're looking to him and then you suddenly just drop your view, to drop your vision back into our little world, the answer will not be found there. We try to connect the dots. We're trying to put the pieces together. We're trying to make sense of this because we want, we need to understand the pain, the suffering, the difficulty we're going through. And again, not because it's going to make it any less difficult, but it just might give me an idea of why I'm in this, what God is doing with this, and where we're going in this. And everybody I've ever heard who's gone through a tremendous loss who's gone through a difficult time in life, they all want help in connecting the dots in their life. Tell me what I did to cause this. Tell me what I need to avoid this in the future. Tell me what God is doing here. Tell me what I'm supposed to learn from this. And the response is usually the same. There are mysteries there are things that happen in our lives and in this world and those answers, those solutions are rarely found in this life. The answers to the pain and suffering of life are rarely, if ever, fully or, or to any sense of satisfaction found in this life. And therein lies the twist Again, if I can just look around everything that's happening and make sense of it, I'd be able to accept it, to recover, to learn from it, and move on. But again, hope is never found by looking around. So this morning, I want to just, and I talked about this last week, I want to connect three dots for you. And I'm not connecting these dots or these dots are not because I'm smarter than you, has nothing to do with that at all. Uh, it's because some really smart people that God used to write the Bible kind of provide um, these dots and then make the connections for us. And so I want to just share those three dots with you and kind of connect them uh, the way Paul connected them 
And in connecting these three dots, again, I believe it will give you some context uh, for your pain, your difficulties, your struggles, and your suffering. But before I do this, I want to just make two really quick disclaimers that I think would be helpful for you to understand as we move forward. The first uh, disclaimer is the answer I'm going to give you will not be emotionally satisfying. I'm just going to tell you that right up front. Uh, you, know, you buy something and you end up with buyer's remorse at the end because it wasn't at all what you expected it to be. Ever had that moment happen? Yeah. So this is not going to be emotionally satisfying. And again, that's important to understand because in other words, you're not going to walk away from this feeling better for the fact that you haven't had a job in six months. Okay? Or that you've lost a loved one. It won't do much to diminish the pain in your life, but I think it may help you to kind of be able to begin to walk through and to get through the pain. The second disclaimer is the explanation I want to provide for you this morning is for really for Christians. It's for uh, believers. If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, you're not a believer, maybe you're kind of just here checking this out, welcome. We are so glad to have you here this morning. Our prayer for you is that there would just come a point, a moment, a time in your life uh, where you would just begin to feel that knock on the door of your heart, that, that, that God is, is just asking, that God is inviting, that you would just open that door and, and just receive him and just allow him to come and to do what only he uh, can do, that you would come to just have a, a very personal, a deep and an intimate relationship with God through Jesus Christ. But again, I just want you to know this morning that the, the response, the answer that I want to give and the dots that I want to connect, uh, again, they're just not going to be emotionally satisfying. They really are designed for people who are believers. So let me just start by giving you the three big dots, and then I'm going to go back and connect them uh, using some uh, scriptures from uh, the book of Romans. In the beginning uh, is the first dot. Second dot is in the end. And the third dot is in the meantime. Hope is maintained again, not by looking around, but by looking to the beginning, to the end, and to the meantime. So let's look at the first dot. In the beginning, sin entered the world. Romans 8.18, here's what Paul says. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Now, I want you to understand the guy who's writing this uh, book here, Romans, the Apostle Paul. He's not a stranger to suffering, to pain, to difficulties, to persecution. If you know anything about Paul, you know he had been beaten multiple times, stoned, abandoned, shipwrecked, lost his career, lost his family, lost everything. So here's a guy who's writing to us, and he knows something. He's experienced on a very deep and personal level what it is to have pain, suffering, difficulties, and persecution. And verse 19, it continues, the creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay. That's a key word there. Bondage to decay. And then brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And, and, and this is the present time. 
Not only, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we eagerly await our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all who hopes for what he already has. In the beginning, sin entered the world. Why is there pain and suffering? Why are there times that we have difficulties and struggles and persecution? Why is there disease? Why is there a pandemic? Why is there starvation? Why is there fighting? Why are there wars in this world? Why is there frustration and failure in this world? If you were to boil all of that down to its most basic, the answer would be because there is sin in the world. When Adam and Eve rebelled against God, they're in the Garden of Eden. The entire creation was plunged into decay and chaos from which it has never and it will never recover until the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. This world is broken. Irreparably broken. When sin entered into the world, it affected all mankind. It affected the entire animal kingdom. It affected all vegetation. It affected the environment. The entire world was drastically and negatively affected by the infusion of sin. Do you know why your back aches in the morning, especially if you're over 40? It's bondage to decay. Your body is decaying. Isn't that a pleasant, lovely thought? It's part of the penalties. It's part of the wages of sin. Our world's decaying, and everyone and everything in it is affected by that. Once sin entered into the world, everything in the world became entrapped to the bondage of sin. That's why some of you have new body parts. The old ones wore out. They gave out. It's why some of us wear hearing devices. Some of the pain, some of the suffering, some of the difficulties, some of the struggles in your life is simply because of bondage to decay and fallout from sin. Whether it be your own or it's the collective sin of mankind. So again, part of the answer to your question is, why did this happen? Why did God allow this? It's because we were born into a sinful, broken, decaying world. And some of the pain and some of the suffering, some of the difficulties, some of the trials in our lives, it's not because of anything we have done or could have prevented. It's just part of living in a broken, decaying world. Janie and I have six wonderful kids. We've been blessed with a great family. But there was a moment in, in that family life cycle 
where we experienced a couple of miscarriages. I think it was, was it after the fourth that we had the first miscarriage? Fifth. So, you know, we had had five very good, great pregnancies, especially from my perspective, my part, my role. It was so easy. And then, you know, we, we had number five, and then as we're, we're going for number six, we experienced a miscarriage. And it was devastating for us, you know, as it is for everybody. And, and it was in, in that moment that we really found out how um, widespread, how common that was. And as we kind of began to share our story, we found there were so many people uh, in our realm of uh, the, whether it was the church or, or friendships or relationships uh, that, that people had experienced this at, at a very, very common level. But I'll never forget, as we were kind of going through that, as we're kind of looking, we're, beginning, we're trying to make sense. We're trying, to, we're trying to connect the dots. And so we start asking questions like, well, you know, uh, we, had, we had read, you know, where if you were, uh, that it, it increases your, uh, the rate of, of a miscarriage if you're uh, in a hot tub. And we realized that, oh, Janie had been in a hot tub before uh, she even knew she was pregnant. You know, did, did, we, did we not do uh, the right thing with vitamins? Was it too much, too little? And, and so again, you're, you're just, you're, you're trying to make sense. You're, you're trying to, to, to bring context. You're trying to connect the dots uh, in, the, in the midst of all of that. And we again realize that there's a high percentage of women who have miscarried. And so instead of looking at something we did at ourselves, something we did or we didn't do, I remember the, the doctor uh, just saying to us, he, he said, you know what, this is just one of those things. It happens a lot. And there are no satisfactory reasons why it happens. It just does. So we just chose to accept that, to grieve the loss, and to move forward. So again, there are things in life that simply happen, that are simply, again, the result. It's part of the fallout of sin. It's part of, uh, of living in uh, the bondage to decay. And again, it may not, and I stress may not, it may not have anything to do with you, what you did or what you didn't do. It's not about you. It's not about your child, your health, your career. It may just be the manifestation of something much bigger invisible, unseen influences that are going on around you that you have no knowledge or control of. When sin entered the world and death reigned, Paul says we came under the bondage to decay and he says the entire creation, everything in it has been groaning, complaining, questioning, why ever since? It's why sometimes things just don't work out. It's why sometimes things go wrong. It's why there's pain and it's why there's suffering. And once you were born into this world, every one of us were born into a broken world where at times unexplainable things 
happen. In the beginning, sin entered the world. Dot one. Dot two. In the end, sin will be removed. Romans 8, 19. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons, the daughters of God to be revealed. We wait eagerly. That's our, our heart's posture. We wait eagerly for our adoption as sons and daughters, the redemption of our bodies. Many of you may not know this, but on the Washington uh, Dome in D.C., you'll find one. It's at the Capitol Dome and in Washington, D.C. You'll find the following inscription. It says, one God, one law, one element, and one supreme event toward which the whole creation moves. Now, what is that event? The inscription doesn't really tell us. Kind of leaves it to our own imagination, our own guesses. Is it the destruction of the world? Is that the one event? Is it the establishing of a new world order? Is it the beginning of a utopian state? I don't think so. I think the one event being talked about there, which the entire creation is moving toward, is that moment of the glorious return of the Lord Jesus Christ. This world, it's been dominated, it has been ruined, it has been destroyed by sin, death, and decay. And one day, Jesus is coming back. And sin will no longer reign Death will be defeated. When Adam fell, sin entered in, death followed, and it became, Paul says, a groaning, a complaining, a burdened creation. But he says one day when Jesus comes back, he says the earth is going to be restored to a glorious creation. It will be free of sin, of death and decay free of pain and suffering. Revelation 21 gives us a great picture of what that day will be like, beginning with verse one. He says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All of these things are gone forever. In the end, sin will be removed. And it goes on and says, and the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it is finished. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end to all who are thirsty. I will freely give from the springs of the water of life and all who are victorious will inherit all these blessings and I will be their God and they will be my children. Sin has been fully, finally, forever defeated. And the world is longing for a day 
when once again it will be the world God intended and designed it to be. In fact, the physical world, Paul says, can hardly wait for that day of the coming of Jesus. The word there Paul uses is, is, is this idea that it, it eagerly awaits. And, it, and again, it's, it's a very, very vivid word. And, and the best way I can describe it to you is when we are eagerly awaiting something, we're, we're on our tiptoes and we're, we're straining as far as we can to try to see what is coming. We're looking ahead to what is coming with expectancy, with this great sense of hope because it's going to be restored. Isaiah says the animal world is going to be restored. Isaiah eleven six says, In that day the wolf and the lamb will lie together. The, li- the leopard will lie down with the baby goat. The calf and the yearling will be safe with the lion. And a little child will lead them all. The cow will graze near the bear. The cub and the calf will lie down together. The lion will eat hay like a cow. The baby will play safely near the hole of a cobra. Yes, a little child will put its hand in a nest of deadly snakes without harm. Nothing will hurt or destroy in all my holy mountains. For as the waters fill the sea, so the earth will be filled with people who know the Lord. We don't live in a world like that right now. We're living in a world where more and more people don't know the Lord. They don't honor him. But we can eagerly look ahead. We can eagerly wait with hope that there is a day that is coming where this earth is going to be filled with people who know the Lord. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to that day. So the animal world is going to be restored. The mineral world is going to be restored. Isaiah 35 says, even though the wilderness Even the wilderness and desert will be glad in those days. The wasteland will rejoice and blossom with roses. The lame will leap like a deer. Those who cannot speak will sing for joy. Springs will gush forth in the wilderness and streams will water the wasteland. The parched ground will become a pool and springs of water will satisfy the thirsty land. And again, what he's saying is the whole earth that is burdened right now, that is in bondage to sin and decay, all of that is going to be restored and redeemed. I don't know how many of you remember the song Isaac Watts wrote that we sing a lot at Christmas time, Joy to the World. We all know that first, uh, that first stanza. Uh, it's joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. But we often don't, uh, aren't as familiar with the second stanza of that song. And it goes like this. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns invest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. Now I'll tell you what, when Isaac Watts wrote that song, he was not thinking of the first coming of Jesus. He was thinking of the second coming coming of Jesus, when he again will establish that glorious kingdom free again from the effects of sin, of death, of decay, pain, and suffering, and we will see the world, and we will see one another, and we will see him as he intended 
for us to see. So in the beginning, sin entered the world. In the end, sin will be removed. In the meantime, God is with us. In the beginning, sin entered the world. In the end, sin will be removed. But for now, in the meantime, while we wait, God is with us. Romans 8, 26, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. How many of you feel weak here this morning? How many of you feel in need of God's help, of his strength, of his wisdom this morning? He helps us. Doesn't watch us struggle. Doesn't think, oh, one day is coming. He helps us now in our weaknesses, in our struggles, in our pains, in our difficulties. We don't know what we ought to pray for. I feel like that a lot. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. Man, stop and think that is that invisible, unseen world. And look at what it's doing. God is praying. God is interceding for us. And God is using a language that we don't understand. It's so deep. It's so holy. It's so precious. It's so beautiful. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance. Get this. In agreement with. In unity with God's will. And it, again, look at the impact the unseen, invisible world is wanting to have on your visible, seen world. He is interceding for you. And he is praying for you in exact accordance and unity with God's will for you. You've got, a, you've got a dynamic prayer partner. And we know, Paul says, and we know, or we can be confident, we can be assured that God works all things. Yes, all things, the good, the bad, the ugly, the wanted, the unwanted, the expected, the unexpected. God is committed to working all things together for good. He's connecting the dots. We don't, we don't need to look down here to try to do that. He's doing that for us. And what he's doing is, is everything that he is connecting and doing and using and moving and praying and interceding, all of, he's connecting all of that, and he is going to bring it to good. We don't have to do that. He's doing that for us. And we know, we can be confident, we can be assured of that God is working all things together for good to those this is the qualifier to those who love him 
and are called according to his purpose. That's our part. That's our role. That's our responsibility in this equation. We just get to love him. He's going he's gonna to take care of all of everything. The dumb things I've done, the dumb things that have been done to me, he's going to take all of it and work it together for good as long as I just continue to love him and I just continue to walk according to his plans and purposes for my life. I'm not going to abandon that. I'm going to continue to follow after him, to do what he has called me to do, to be who he is continuing to call me to be. I'm not going to abandon that. I'm not going to give that up. I'm just going to continue to love him and be called according to his purpose. That's my part. His part is he'll take all of that and he'll work it together for your good, for your blessing, for your benefit. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. That simply means he just gives us right standing with God. We're justified. Justified means it's just as if you haven't really sinned. That, that's what justification does. If you're predestined, it's because you're called. And if you're called, it's because you're justified. And those he justified, he'll also glorify. What then shall we say in response to all of this? We, we want to respond to this. Paul's saying, so what should our response be? He says, try this, if God is for me, who can be against me? No one. No one, nothing. If God is for you, then no one, nothing can be against you. He who did not, this is, this is, this is the tough one. But it's good news. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? That's, a, that's heavy. God didn't spare his own son. So he's not going to spare you of all the grief, of all the pain, of all the struggles, of all the difficulties of this life. Didn't spare his own son. But he used it all. Everything that happened to Jesus, everything that Jesus went through, God used all of it. And he brought a greater good out of that. Amen? Amen. Yeah. There's no Easter Sunday without Good Friday. So he said, if that's the commitment that God had to his son Jesus, it's the same commitment he has to you. In the meantime, in the midst of this broken, struggling, painful, difficult, decaying world, God is with us. He is for us. Nothing is too big or difficult for him. He is dwelling within us. Again, this is, this is if you're a believer. He is dwelling in you. He is 
praying for you. He is interceding for you. So what does this mean? When you feel weak, just say, you know what? This is normal because the world is broken. But the joy of the Lord is my strength in the meantime. When you're struggling, it's all right to say, you know what? This is normal because the world is broken. But I have a loving father who says he will never leave me nor forsake me. He'll never leave me as an orphan in this world. When you're not doing well, it's all right to say, you know what? This is normal because my physical body is in bondage to decay. And unless Jesus comes back, I'm, I'm going to make the jump from this life into the next life. But in the meantime, God is here to heal and to deliver me from my enemies. When you're feeling the weight of the world, it's okay to say, you know what, this is normal. This is a part of living. This is a part of life right now because the world is, And death reigns and sin is in the world. But God has given me the victory through his son, Jesus Christ. Some days are going to be difficult. Some days are going to be painful. Some days are going to be awesome. Some seasons of life are just going to be tough. Some parts of life, they're just going to be frustrating. They're going to be challenging. And they're going to be discouraging. But don't make the mistake of looking around and trying to connect the dots here. And start saying, well, maybe if I'd have been a better friend, if maybe I'd have been a better spouse, if maybe I'd have been a better parent, maybe none of this would be happening to me. What you're experiencing, what you're going through, what you're struggling with, may just be a part of living in a judged, in a broken and a decaying world. And the only way to make sense of this is to take our eyes off of this and put our eyes on the only one who can take all of that and bring it together and to make it work for your good. In the beginning, sin entered the world. In the end, sin will be removed. In the meantime, we wait with expectancy, with hope, with faith and trust that one day he is going to come and he will make all things new. He will make all things right. He will, he will bring justice. He will bring complete peace. In the beginning, sin entered the world. In the end, sin will be removed. But in the meantime, God is with us. He is for us. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together. Like I said, you know, some of you this morning, it, it's... 
not a rear view mirror you need, but it may just be a mirror because you're, you're in the meantime. You're in a place maybe of just pain and difficulty. Maybe you're in a place this morning that where you're struggling. And, and maybe you kind of feel like God has abandoned you. And maybe part of this feeling is because you feel like it's something you've brought on yourself. This is something I've done to me. I deserve this. I need to be punished for this. And the beauty of the cross is that he took all of our punishment upon himself. He bore it on the cross completely and fully so we don't have to carry that any longer. And it's, it's, it's in the meantime, in those moments of pain, of difficulty, of struggle, man, where he just gives us the invitation, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Man, do you ever feel like that? Do you ever have problems and issues and struggles and pains and difficulties and, oh, you just feel so heavy laden? Jesus says, Come to me. I will give you rest. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. What he's saying is, I'll just, I'll, I'll trade your burdens for mine. Yours are heavy laden. They are burdensome. Mine are light. And gentle. Let's let's switch. And maybe that's what you need this morning. This is just a time for you to kind of come to unload your burden, which is very, very heavy, it's very cumbersome, it's very difficult, and, and you're just feeling crushed beneath the weight of it. He sees that, he recognizes that, and he's made a provision for you this morning to just come give that to him and then to take from him. A burden that is light, it is easy, it is gentle. That's the meantime. So if that's you this morning, we're just going to invite you. We're going to just have some people up here. We'd love to pray with you um, this morning. We would just love to stand in agreement uh, with what God is doing. We're, we just want to pray over you this morning. We want to just encourage you. We want to strengthen your heart this morning. You're not alone. He is for you. He is with you. He has got a plan for this. And that plan is to take what looks so difficult for you, what looks so painful, and for him to be able to say, I, I want to take all of that, and I'm going to begin to do some really great things with that, things you could never do apart from me. But with me, all things are possible. That's what we need to hear in the meantime. God's got this. God's got this. Father, we just thank you so much for that, Lord. And I just believe that there are people here that are in that meantime. They're in that place, Lord. They're trying to make sense of this. They're trying to connect the dots. They're trying to give meaning to the pain, the difficulties. They're looking for an answer. They're looking for a way out. And you're that way. You're the only way. So this morning, Father, I just pray for those who are just feeling the weight, feeling the, the burden. The Father, this morning, you offer us 
a burden that is light, a burden that is gentle, that's bearable, that's doable. And that burden is simply love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, if you do this, you, you pretty much fulfill everything. That's, that's the burden he gives us is just to love him, to trust him, to look to him, to know that he's got this, Father. We thank you. So Lord, if there's any here this morning that just need to be prayed for this morning, just to be freed of that burden that they carry this morning. Father, we just pray that you would just again, Father, just speak to their hearts. If they're here this morning and they don't know you, that is a burden, again, that you want to relieve them of, that you sent Jesus because of your great love for them. That your word says it's, it's, it's your goodness, it's your kindness that, that leads us to repentance that makes us want to turn from, the, from our sins to the Savior this morning. It's your goodness. It's your kindness. It's not your anger. It's not your wrath. It's not your punishment. Your word says it, it's your goodness. It's your kindness. That's what motivates you. It's who you are. So, Father, this morning, we want to just, we want to be able to receive your kindness, your goodness. We want to be able to receive your healing. We want to be able to receive your deliverance. We want to be saved this morning. We want to be freed this morning, Father. That is your heart. That is your desire for us here this morning. You may have walked in completely burdened, but God wants to free you this morning that you can walk out of here a brand new creation. You can, maybe, maybe you walked in here feeling hopeless this morning. God wants to fill you with hope this morning, Father. That is your goodness. That is your kindness. That is your heart toward us. We just thank you for your power, your presence here this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. So we kind of just continue. You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.